Hi, this is Adam from Game to Grow. We're about to launch Critical Core, a therapeutic RPG that helps kids on the autism spectrum build confidence, creativity, and social skills. Please help us by pledging your support at criticalcore.org. Welcome to GT Radio on the Geek Therapy Network. We are the Geek Therapy Community Podcast. My name is Oswald Cardona. I'm joined by my co-hosts, Laura Taylor. Hey! Brandon Saxton. Hello! And Lauren Keller. Hi! Today we're going to talk about gatekeeping, but first, check out what's new on the network. Here Comes a Thought had an episode called Ocean Mirror. It's all about Lapis, for all you Lapis fans out there. Queer Comics Podcast had an episode titled Queeros to the Rescue. We talked about queer TV heroes. And spoiler warning, it talks a lot about dark matter, so much so that I don't think I can watch the show now. They pretty much spoiled it for me. <laughs> and, and Jedi Council talked about Saving Private Ryan. Actually, I haven't heard that episode yet, but I'm assuming it spoils Saving Private Ryan also, so beware. <laughs> we have a new Patreon supporter. Woo! Welcome, Brittany. And thank you to our producers, Ben, Booney, John, Kat, Mark, and Reese. Yay! And now, let's get to our topic. A few weeks ago, a few months ago, we talked about, I think the term we came up with was curation for the community. And I remember, Lauren, you you said, that sounds like gatekeeping and I don't like it. No, no, we were, ta- we were talking about curation was... That was the word we liked. Yeah, yes, I preferred exactly. that. But yeah, no, we were talking about um, exclusivity and keeping our spaces more exclusive. And I was like, mm, that sounds like gatekeeping. I want to be careful here. Yeah. And, and, and really, the, the, it, was, it had to do with, again, this book I had read called The Art of Community. And it said that at some point, like, you need to, um, let's use the curating word, right? <laughs> and when we talked about it, we talked about how, well, we don't want people who are racist or people who are mean or people who are assholes or people who are yucking other people's yums all the time, right? Like, at some point, there needs to be some sort of moderation there and... You can't just come hang out and be a dick. Th- that was kind of the idea. And we, we talked a little bit about gatekeeping, but we didn't really talk about what gatekeeping is. And it's a topic that has come up uh, within the community recently. So, so first of all, let, let's talk about gatekeeping just generally, like what it is, how we've experienced it, oh, and why it sucks. And then uh, <laughs> we'll talk but about how... what if how... we like gatekeeping, Josue? <laughs> well, then also oh, please share your stories of how much you love gatekeeping. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then we'll we'll talk a little bit about gatekeeping in the community again. So, so what is gatekeeping? So there's two ways I look at it. The way I usually encounter the phrase gatekeeping and the way that I generally use it in my own life is just sort of as... Uh, another way to say exclusion, that there are people who are excluding other people. However, uh, in preparation for this podcast, I did a little bit of Googling and I discovered that gatekeeping is based on gatekeeping theory by a German psychologist named Kurt Lewin, who defines it as the gatekeeper decides what info should move to a group or an individual and what should not. And so basically uh, using social influences to control information spread and Hmm. choosing who gets what information and when. So it's a term that has sort of changed over time. Yeah. It's not just you're a girl and you can't play my D&D game. (laughs) Hmm. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's definitely as it's moved more into sort of the general public's lingo, it's definitely more along the lines of just like, 
here's a person who is excluding a certain group of people um, instead of the more like social psychology uh, theory style of talking about gatekeeping. But I definitely feel like we're we're more on the, you know, the more general side of it. We're not talking about the social psychology theory stuff we're talking about when jerks are like, oh, you haven't played every single fighting game that's ever existed, so therefore you can't compete in our fighting game tournament and stuff like that. Yeah, in geek culture, gatekeeping is a thing. Very specific. Yes, it is. <laughs> Long history. Do you even nerd, bro? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the whole mindset right there. Do you even? It's it's hard because they ask you that question in such perfect grammar, and you don't know. Sometimes you don't know if you do. Um, yeah, it it is. It is. Uh, it's like a. I, I don't know. I see it like a bad word <laughs> in, in in geek culture. It is it is one of the worst parts of it. And yeah, like what are what are some of the worst examples that that any of you have have experienced? I mean, I haven't personally experienced anything like that I can think of, but it's more of a systemic thing. Like typically, you hear about girls who are not real geeks because they're girls. And that whole geek, fake geek girl thing. Well, don't you ever get somebody who's like, you're like, oh yeah, I read a lot of comics. And they're like, well, did you read issue number 34 <laughs> of Valiant Comics' special edition 2014, blah, 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 blah? I feel like I have one person in my life, and you, and you know who I'm talking about? <laughs> um, I think I do. Who wanted to create, he was like, we should make a YouTube channel called A Drunk and Two Girls about me and my wife. And he said that every time I get frustrated at you guys when you're doing something in a game, I'm going to take a shot and let's see how drunk I get. Oh, it was so bad. Okay, so there is Oof. gatekeeping right there. Um, yeah. <laughs> Maybe yeah. you're just blocking it out. I, I think, I think I've been traumatized and I'm like repressing that stuff. And yeah. But on the other hand, usually... I, I still play games with that guy, and it's and he can be okay, except when he mansplains things, which gets into a whole other thing. It's all connected. It's all connected. Um, but he's not the kind of guy who thinks that girls can't be geeks and can't be gamers. It's just a view of, I need to teach you how mm. to be a real gamer. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Less exclusionary, more patronizing. Mm. Exactly. Everybody loves that. <laughs> Which is why I may have, you know, not not really considered that. But yeah, okay. Thank you, Josue, for bringing up traumatic memories for me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> We're probably going to bring up a few more. I know. Brandon, do you have any examples? I, I'm, I've been racking my brain and I don't have any examples. I'll help you get there but, too. Please. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I really, I just need someone to elicit them out of my, uh, out of my psyche. I, I'm having a hard time thinking of any specific situations when I've felt personally like someone was really trying to hold me back from, from a certain, um, activity or fandom. I guess I do just being a, you know, a, a white straight cisgender male somewhat of an advantage i guess in that realm in that those groups traditionally <laughs> aren't excluded um if i can just recognize my own uh sort of uh privilege so i think there is that piece that I, i'm running into just a little bit but please help me 
Okay, well, Brandon, when have you gatekeeped somebody else? Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't think that you do that. <laughs> I, I, well, I was thinking about it. I was like, have, is, are there any examples? Because if I have done that, I would share that. I've, I think I'm in a place now where I'm much more thoughtful about my words and behaviors, but it's certainly possible that, that there were times where I was not. But I, I'm also having a hard time thinking of one of those examples. Brandon, the first thing you did was check your privilege, which was really cool. <laughs> oh wow! Hell yeah! <laughs> I thought I was. I thought this was going to go another direction. Like Brandon, the first thing you ever did when uh, when we talked is excluded me from this community or something. But no, thank you. No. <laughs> That's also where I thought that was going. <laughs> yeah, I really, I was ready for it. <laughs> Gosh, you guys think so little of me. <laughs> no, <to> myself. <laughs> I think there's different layers to or different types of, of it. I think I've alluded a few times to the type of, like what you said, Lara, you said, oh, I consider myself a gamer. I play video games and someone is questioning my gamerness. Like, wh- what's up with that? Like, who Sometimes is I question, well, not my gamerness, but my skill. But anyway. <laughs> that's different. Yeah, I, mean. I mean, that's that's part of it, right? Is like the reason that this is sort of foggy is one it's social interactions which are always always sort of context specific mm-hmm. and all that but also because it's sort of hairy what what gets counted is like mm-hmm. is it just the amount of time that you've known about the thing have you have you been playing games your whole life have you played these specific games have you spent hours upon hours delving into the secret stuff that Have you, you can beaten only find all the on games the- on hard? <laughs> yeah, 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 that kind of stuff. And, and so it's like not necessarily getting excluded from playing a game, but being ass- like the assumption being that you are a low skilled player can be a form of gatekeeping. It's like, oh, yeah, you play the game, but you're not like good. Casual, just a casual. Oh, player. yeah, ca- bunch of casuals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, again, I think this is a big part of geek culture and it's a part that turns ugly very quickly. Mm-hmm. I'm almost certain that I've asked you, Lauren, oh, you have a Zelda tattoo? What Zelda games have you played or beat? And I'm almost certain I did the same thing to Brandon at some point about Batman. Mm-hmm. I was like trying to compare knowledge of Batman. I was doing it in the nerdiest way possible. Like, oh, are you one of my people? Like, do we know, do we like the same things? And then I think that that is like part of the excitement that we get as nerds, right? Like when we meet someone who who has something very similar, but some people take it to an extreme mm-hmm. and they get very judgy about it. And, and that's where it gets ugly. Do you all agree? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. I think especially when we're talking about geek culture stuff, like when you get to the point where you are so invested in something that it has become a part of your identity – that that's when it gets very easy to start getting like mean and judgy towards other people because you're like, well, clearly this is so important to me. I've I've turned it into part of my identity. And if you, you don't, then you're not on the same level as me. And that mm-hmm. makes me better than you. And it's like, ooh, okay, well, there you 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 cross the line there <laughs> into being a big old jerk. <laughs> <laughs> there are lines, and they they get crossed exactly. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I man, like I I hope I've never done that. I don't think I've ever been in a position to like exclude somebody from a game or or like I don't know. Like, how do you how do I stop someone from buying a comic book or watching a movie. <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever been in a situation like that, but but there are 
uh, some examples of that where just like there's there's pressure and harassment and they kind of keep you away from a particular area or even that moment where again if i it did i didn't take it to 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 this level brandon because i was i was trying to find common ground but if i was like oh you haven't read you know you know grant morrison's run on uh, you know from whatever year to whatever year you mm-hmm. know like you don't deserve to have that tattoo <laughs> it's like that's gonna it's gonna mess you up just, mm-hmm. you know like you, you might think about it especially if we're friends you know right. like that that stuff hurts and and i know i've had that happen to like, so many times in so many different ways although i found that it's happened a lot with random people like at conventions and stuff like when you're standing in line and you're just talking to somebody Mm -hmm. and then it's like they're testing you Mm -hmm. you know like i'm not even gonna keep talking to you unless you can answer the following three questions (laughs) yep Answer my riddles three. Oh, <laughs> and it nice. feels really good if you're, you're in line for a panel and you're in front of them in line in the panel and you get in and they don't. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> so are there any other aspects of, of this idea of gatekeeping that we, we haven't touched? Yeah, I mean, of, of course, we're we're talking mostly about geeky culture stuff, but I've also experienced it in uh, the field of psychology and academia. I've... Um, oh, taking yeah. classes. Uh, my my school is is has a clinical uh, school and has a media psychology school, and there are classes that are available to both. And there, are, I have been in a class where everybody else was a clinical student except for me, and thankfully everybody has always been, um, you know, very kind. But there was definitely times where phrasing of language made it very apparent that, you know, they were like, well, you're not a clinical student, so therefore you don't know what you're talking about here. Mm. And it's like, ooh, hello, that makes me feel real shitty. I'm not going to say anything else anymore. Mm, just going to sit on my hands and feel bad. Wah, wah. It's oh. like, oh, there we go. There's the gatekeeping. Mm. So so I think that's a good transition into uh, some of the concerns that have been coming up within the community. Over the years, many times, uh, it has come up where someone tells me, hey, you know what we should do? We should legitimize geek therapy or we should absolutely create a certification or we should create a professional organization, you know, where we can train and test people to do geek therapy. And every single time I've rejected it. And there there are multiple reasons why I've I've done that. And one of them is is what you're talking about, Lauren. When I was in New York City, I was the president of the New York Mental Health Counselors Association chapter in, in New York City. And one of my jobs for that whole year was, or just, it's like, it's, it doesn't come with, it's not part of the job description, but it's something that ended up happening, was that a lot of recent graduates would contact me and tell me, hey, can you help me get a job? Because everywhere I go, people will not interview me. And these were specifically students who had mental health counseling degrees. So they were they become, in New York, a uh, licensed mental health counselor. In other states, it's a licensed professional counselor. So in New York, at the time when I was president there, I think licensure for counselors was somewhere around five or six years old. So there was like an old guard. So people in, in my organization, recent graduates, they would go out, they wouldn't even get interviews. And sometimes people would tell them, Oh yeah, we don't we don't hire counselors, even though they had incredible clinical training. 
actually one one thing that I did while I was there, we ended up doing like some symposium where we brought in people from big agencies who had who were willing to admit or tell a story about how their counseling students were better than their psychology and social work students um, who or, or recent graduates who had come in because of the quality of the clinical training they were getting. And it was important to have those conversations that, listen, these people, they have the clinical training for the jobs that you need. But what was happening was there was literal gatekeeping. Not only uh, were, were psychologists and social workers prohibiting counselors from interviewing or, or giving them jobs. But at the at the legal level also, there were lobbyists who were trying to like undo licensure and, and limit the things that they could do. And the more I learned about it at the national level, that's just like everything you describe, Lauren, in your classroom. Like, I don't know. Do they teach that in school to, <laughs> to mental health therapists? I don't understand why they're so territorial. But it's just, it's like, it's part of that, right? I mean, it's, it's like a part of the culture. It's like, it's also a very ugly part of the, of the culture. So again, so like geek therapy started as a, as a mental health thing. I was a mental health counseling intern and those experiences really opened my eyes to like, listen, we're all studying the same thing. We all know the same stuff. The level of uh, expertise that we have is equal. And you're just, you're creating these fake lines, right? These, these boundaries and, and telling people who are super qualified that they can't do it just because of the type of, of degree that they have. That really, that really bothered me. And, and it, it's always been in my mind. Uh, but again, over the years, people suggesting this type of thing, I've always rejected it because that sort of thing that I saw in New York is something that I, I didn't want to see within the geek therapy community. And then I've told this story before when I went to Colombia to give a presentation, there was, there was an occupational therapist who said, Hey, can I can I come by and, and see your presentation? I'm, uh, I'm not a psychologist. Is it okay if I do that? I said, yeah. She went by and it, it really changed my perspective. And I thought, oh, right. Or I, I realized, oh yeah, you know, everything that we're talking about is applicable in other fields. It doesn't have to be limited to only mental health professionals. Uh, when, I, when I lived in New York, I did all my clinical training at the Albert Ellis Institute, which is the, the place where you go to learn uh, rational emotive behavior therapy, REBT. And when I trained there, like all my certifications in, in RBT, every single time I went to those trainings, there were other people from other professions there, not just counselors and psychologists and social workers and marriage and family therapists from all over the world, but there were also executives and team leaders. And I met one person who was a native Canadian and he had like some sort of community program that he was running and he came by and, and the Albert Ellison Institute allows this because they know that the, what they're teaching in REBT is helpful to in, in multiple fields and in lots of different areas. And again, so like, that's like my formation as a, 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 my clinical formation came from that. I learned a lot from the Albert Ellis Institute. And one thing that I thought was really cool that they did there also was uh, they do this thing every Friday called Friday Night Live, where they just practice REBT live in front of everybody. And, and the cool thing is that they just practiced it constantly. And what we do here on this show, even though we don't say it all the time, the core values, everything about the, the geek therapy model that we've been talking about for eight years and expanded to other people, this is how we make it inclusive. We're literally repeating all of the basic parts of this every single week in different ways. 
talk about how media matters, how don't yuck my yum. We're talking about issues that are really important, even something like gatekeeping, right? Like we're, we're maybe some people don't understand it. We're looking at it from different perspectives. Just like everything that we do is inclusive. It's so not gatekeeping. It's not exclusive. Like everything we do is very inclusive. So again, it's coming up now. It's come up in the past. I've had serious discussions about this with people. Uh, there are different ways that you could do this and try to control everybody <laughs> and and uh, exert some sort of not just gatekeeping but like control over over who can say that they use geek therapy or who wants to use it it just goes against again uh, against our values and something that I don't I don't like so that's why I've always rejected the the notion and I don't know I think I think it's working pretty well I think it's pretty great the way we do it I'm glad that geek therapy is not limited to only people who practice capital T therapy. You know, the mental health professionals do not own the word therapy. <laughs> what? This is a fact. Ha yeah. ha, suckers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, it's, just kidding. but it's it's in my title. Sorry. <gasps> That's not the important part of your title, turns out. Just not the way no, it works. No, it's really yeah. not. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, I what I keep thinking about, and this is, you know, very much my own experience with the geek therapy community, and um, as we've grown our our Twitch channel, but I th- I think about Zach, um, who is one of our our main Twitch streamers, and he is a nurse, and he absolutely uses geek therapy in his work, and he is not a capital T therapy giver. Um. But I, I just I think that by keeping it open the way that we have allows, you know, allows our message and our, our values to spread further, but also invites more people with more diverse ideas. And a- as that spreads, it's like obviously we have less control because it's it's spreading further and faster than you can control. But from that sort of chaos <laughs> is something really magical where ideas that you and I would never be able to come up with on our own gets expressed within our community because we have so many different types of people coming from so many different fields and so many different backgrounds. Um, I, I think it's really special. And even though, yes, it can be scary to leave yourself open by being so inclusive is like, oh no, something bad could happen. Um, I, I think it's worth that risk to to be as open and inclusive as possible. Yeah, the benefit has always been that we learn from each other. Yeah. And that's why even all of our spaces are open, right? And that's why we've we've included something like the Discord. We have a mental health space there and in general, we sometimes people talk about their profession, sometimes people talk about, you know, um, I don't know, different things that might seem more professional, but at the same time like why why wouldn't we also allow people to talk about the things that they're into or they're experiencing or they're enjoying? Like it's all connected, you know? It's all it, again, it's all you're all practicing the same ideas. We're learning from each other so so much and that can only happen if you are that inclusive if you allow people who are interested to come in and then not only to learn but to also teach in a way and most of what i've learned as a therapist about doing capital t therapy isn't from school isn't from books it's mostly from the clients i work with and just being in the world with people and ideas from people that know what i do and ask me questions about it and talk about it yeah, I was just thinking a little bit about on how the community, the geek therapy community has really turned into something that I certainly, and I, I 
undoubtedly agreed uh, by many that something that's really cool. And I don't think that it would have grown and evolved and changed in the way that it has into this very beautiful, inclusive, diverse group of people with different backgrounds and experiences and thoughts and perspectives if back when you started it, when you said, you know, this really is just for capital T therapists, I, you know, I'd, it's it doesn't really apply to to you or to what you're doing. And I, I can appreciate that you like it, but it's not really for you. And I just really think that would have been such a shame if, if you had taken that perspective from the start. And I think that the community um, would have really turned into something really different and, and really suffered from kind of an echo chamber of people with a much less diverse set of backgrounds and, and experiences and perspectives that would have really ultimately turned into a lot less interesting and a lot less meaningful of a community at the end of the day. Yeah, it would have been like that classroom that Lauren described. Mm-hmm. That doesn't sound mm-hmm. so cool. Yeah. Also, like the the idea that you could, I don't know, like right now, there's so many people who, some people who are therapists, not just uh, mental health therapists, but different types of therapists, identify and actually call themselves geek therapists. And a lot of people, like, just like, oh, yeah, like, I, I love geek therapy. Like, I love the ideas. You know, there isn't, like, a way to say it. There's no, going back to what we were saying at the beginning, there's no test Right. Like you don't there's no test to, to join the discord. There's no test mm-hmm. to join the Facebook group. It's it's inclusive. And b- because right, the, there are no those barriers aren't there. And you can come in at any knowledge level of, you know, whatever and gain something and also help the community to grow by providing your your own insights. And it, it bothers me whenever whenever this comes up. But I just I, I wanted to make sure that we covered this idea of gatekeeping from like discussed it from the, the the geek culture standpoint and then talk about and I hope I explained you know why I see it this way why I've rejected those ideas always over the years and I don't know it's just this feels right <laughs> apparently like we said already apparently. Uh, mental health professionals really like to have those certifications and those professional organizations. And there's another way to do things, people. There's there's a whole other way. And uh, we, we are one of those ways. <laughs> All right. So I think that's it for, for this topic. We'll uh, take a break and then do Media Matters. Hi, this is Adam from Game to Grow. We were founded on the therapeutic power of tabletop role-playing games. And for the last eight years, we've helped kids build confidence, creativity, and social skills. But we can do better. And that's why we're launching Critical Core. Critical Core is a therapeutic role-playing game targeted to the needs of kids on the autism spectrum. And it's coming to Kickstarter March 19th. Together, we can reach thousands of children around the world. Please help us by pledging your support now at criticalcore.org. And we're back to uh, Media Matters segment. Media Matters. So we're going to do it related to the topic at hand. And I could not come up with any examples of positive gatekeeping. I couldn't come up with any examples of a group of people telling another group of people that what they think that they do or who they are is not enough or is not true or real. I couldn't find any examples of that also being positive and good. If there are any, please let me know. Lara, what you got? 
Well, when we first started talking about this idea of gatekeeping and some person or group of people trying to decide what is right for everyone else, I think of the X-Men. Magneto and the Brotherhood decide, you're not doing things right, Charles, so we're gonna do things this way and fight the humans and, and take things by force. And it is one of the, the big struggles that you see throughout the X-Men comics and even shifting to the gifted today. I mean, the X-Men are gone in that show and so is the Brotherhood. But then we get this group in the second season, the Inner Circle, who decide they want to create a, a nation like separate nations, one for the humans and one for the mutants. They do it by any means necessary and people die and there's other groups of mutants that are like, no, this isn't right. This isn't the way that we want to do things. Um, we can find our place in the world in another way. I like the X-Men a lot and, and that was the first thing that <laughs> came to my mind when we were talking about this. Uh, my other example is I was thinking about when we're talking about a, someone putting expectations on something else, uh, on another group of people, I thought about Civil War and uh, the Avengers. Both in the comics and in the movie, it's the government trying to implement regulations on on superheroes. And wherever you fall on, the, on that, it's, it's a gray area. But for the most part, I mean, we've you and I have had a conversation about Civil War and, and, and our views on both, I think, Civil War, the movie and the comics. And I think that putting regulations on, on superheroes and telling them that they have to register um, and make their, their personal information out, put their personal information out there is kind of short-sighted. And This is a great example, though, because... Uh, when, whenever we discuss civil war, it is complicated, and I can see yeah. both sides. Exactly, and I, I understand why this has come up repeatedly over the years regarding the the geek therapy community. I, I completely understand it because there's protections that come with certification that people know what they're doing, but who decides? Not only that, but there are certain assumptions, doing. right? Mm -hmm. Just it's the same way that in civil war, like there are certain assumptions that are put into place. It's like, you're not really going to stop all the superheroes because they're still going to be – that's kind of – there are always other superheroes, right? Yeah. <laughs> even, even if they don't register, like you can't, you can't really stop that. But, but that's a great example because that is one that we've definitely – like I, I, I can see the debate on both sides. Mm -hmm. But I, I can definitely see the reasoning for yeah. why people do this sometimes. The, not so much on like you're a girl and you can't play video games. Like those that, – that I don't get. Yeah. But there are other versions that I, I understand where people are coming from. Yeah, and definitely with this, it's one of those things where maybe you see both sides, but you still strongly feel one way or the other. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And are like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Brandon, what you got? I came with an example um, where one person decided kind of what was best for the group and the group didn't agree. So this is um, from a, the Justice League of America comics um, a while back, it's a couple series or a couple issues that that got put into a trade paperback called Tower of Babel, which is what I think one of the neater little stories. And basically, the premise of the story is that Batman, um, just being who he is, has developed a very specific plan and mechanism to neutralize every enemy or every member of the Justice League. 
in case something should happen and they would need to be stopped. And Rachel Ghoul gets a hold of these plans and, and uses them to great effect to neutralize the Justice League, um, as well as an additional plan that he develops for Batman. And like the heroes always do, they're able to, you know, overcome the adversity and, and of course, save the day. But at the end, the Justice League is sort of a little bit frustrated with Batman because they're just like, look, look, dude, what's the deal? Um, we're, we're a team and we don't love that you secretly created individualized plans that prey on all of our weaknesses to stop us. That's not that's not great. And they ultimately have a vote to whether or not to vote him out of the league. And um, I think the deciding vote comes down to Superman being able to kind of making the final vote and after he does they go to kind of tell batman who's already left because he recognizes that he knows how superman will vote and kind of the matter so it's a like you said it's it's always a story that i i don't know it comes to memory or comes to mind for me pretty easily but i also think it's another i'm a pretty salient example or at least a fictional example of an individual making um, a decision that has pretty serious ramifications for a group really without their knowledge or without their consent in the matter. Yeah, you mentioned it last time. You alluded to it. You didn't mention Tower of Babel, but you did mention it. <laughs> yes, if you mention client. it next week, we, you need a new idea. <laughs> yes, that's, that's, that's fair. Do you even read comics, Brandon? It's uh, just this one. <laughs> the one comic over and over and over. It's very worn out. <laughs> And that's a lot about control, right? It's mm-hmm. like Batman, um, he doesn't actually, his reasoning is one of precaution, mm-hmm. right? His, his justification is that just in case, like this is, this is the right move because if something happens, we're protected. And that's, mm-hmm. that's, I understand that there's a, you know, a, a lot of protectionism in, in this conversation too. Like that's some people's motivations. And to defend Batman, he doesn't actually use them. Right, it's right. Ra- it's it's Rachel Ghoul who actually uses them, but he did do something that was you know out of, out of fear. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying Batman's afraid. Sorry, Batman, but you know you know, <laughs> what, you know what I'm saying. All right, Lauren, what you got? <laughs> uh, my example is from the show The Magicians. In the most recent season, they are going through uh, a whole a whole situation that I'm not going to explain too deeply because. That seems not a good use of my time. (laughs) But basically, uh, in this magical world, all of the magic went away, and that was really, really bad. And then the magic came back, um, but everybody was so afraid of the magic going away again that this group called the Librarians basically became uh, the controllers of all magic and get to to decide who gets to use magic and who gets to use how much magic and when. And it's, uh, it's real problematic real quickly because it, (laughs) it immediately puts a group of people at a severe disadvantage who are already, uh, there's already, a separation in the the power dynamics between the various groups where basically um, from this fear of loss they are creating a situation in which everybody is really unhappy and uh, you might get some terrorists and that's not good really not good like the the fact that the library chooses to decide for everybody right there's no mm-hmm. like there are millions of magicians in that world 
But this small group of people, right, which seems to be like five people, a committee of five people, I think we've seen. And I don't even know that those five people are making decisions. It feels like, you know, what just one or two of them are. But there's like a group of five people who are deciding for millions of people and they're changing the rules also. Mm -hmm. Like things were a certain way before. Yeah, no, that's that's a that's very relevant. And and also in the magicians like from the very first episode of the show, we learn about the school, break bills, which is not like Hogwarts, right? Like in Hogwarts you're oh, you can do magic? Welcome. Come to school and we're gonna teach you how to do magic. In break bills, it's like, oh, you've been identified as someone who can do magic. Come and be uh, rigorously tested. And if you aren't up to snuff, then you are not allowed to learn magic. And then yep. there's second class magicians in the world who aren't allowed to learn, even though they have all the capabilities and actually end up, they end up learning on their own and do they do their own magic because you can't stop people from doing what they're going to do. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's it's really connected to a, an ongoing conversation about power and who gets power and who gets to wield power against others. I think it's really cool. I, I'm enjoying this show a lot. I, I personally am upset that the the librarians are now the bad guys because I'm personally like, libraries are the greatest thing. <laughs> Yay, libraries! But I do think it's a really good example. Like, the library is all about we are collecting all of this knowledge and knowledge is power. And they're coming from this place of wanting to protect the information and wanting to protect people from getting hurt. But you end up making judgment calls that you don't really have a right to make. Uh, you don't get to, you know, look at one person and decide, well, I can't let you access the library because you could potentially, you know, do something really terrible, possibly in the future, maybe. And it's like, why do you get to make that decision? Yeah. And, it, and it really reflects into, you know, real world things. It's like, who who do we give the power to make decisions and, and why do they have that power? <laughs> it it gets it gets uh, real deep. I love that show and confusing and uncomfortable. Yeah, no, <laughs> I'm enjoying it a lot too. Um, the examples I had were one is also DC Comics related. Well, technically, it's the Injustice mm. game and and series of comics. Where in that one, Superman has a particular experience, and then he decides that he will no longer allow crime in the world. So, for everyone's benefit, he becomes a dictator. And completely takes over the earth. The whole game is you as Batman and all the other, a lot of other heroes trying to uh, take him down. Because that's not cool, Superman. Because um, Batman totally likes crime and wants crime to be <laughs> rampant in the world. Superman is crazy. <laughs> so, so that's a, so that's a good point, right? It's like his, you know, what I described about Superman isn't necessarily like, oh yeah, like you want to stop crime. Like I, I, I get that. Yeah, you don't mm -hmm. want anybody else to die. That's, I mean, that's like Batman's motivation too, right? It's like, oh, I don't want anybody else to get hurt. But how you go about that? <laughs> right? Yeah, just just because there's logic to it doesn't mean it's ethical. Superman, yeah. come on. <laughs> yeah. Like you said, like who said that Superman has it? I get it. He's the most powerful being in the world. Just because he can doesn't mean that he should either. Mm -hmm. Another one that came to mind was Agent Smith in The Matrix. Mm. Uh, as, as that story progresses, he basically remakes the world in his image. He literally copies himself onto other people. Like he, he makes other people into himself until there's literally nobody left in the matrix that isn't him. It's like he, he completely changes it in his image. 
That's sort of interesting, actually, because instead of gatekeeping in a way that that keeps people out, it's a like totally overtaking. It's oppressive. Yeah. 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 It's a different direction, but same outcome. Yeah. And it takes it, it takes that idea of like, this is the way I want the world to be to the extreme, right? Within that world, he was yeah. able to simply literally impose himself on anybody. Superimpose himself, actually. So okay, well, lots of lots of examples there. Th- th- this was good because this is it's complicated. Like I can I can see where people are coming from. I can see how these things happen. Like even when we started, I said like I, I get it. Like sometimes we're just really excited and we want to protect a particular thing, but then that just doesn't always turn out well. But you know what's good? Geek therapy is good. Our geek therapy segment where we talk about what's been therapeutic in the most general sense of the word. So I guess lowercase t therapeutic. (laughs) (laughs) I really love that you guys all were like, yeah, capital T therapy. I'm going to run with that. That's good. Yeah. I was like, that's not a thing. Why is everybody acting like that's a thing? (laughs) Anyway. Well, you know what? I I came up with it. So now nobody else in the whole world is allowed to use it except for me. Damn. I'm gatekeeping my dumb phrase that I came up with (laughs) off the the (laughs) spot. <laughs> oh uh, what was I saying? Geek therapy Geek segment. Therapy. Yes, therapeutic in the most general sense. So something that made you feel good in the past week or helped you get through something difficult. Uh, let's, see, let's see, Brandon, what's your geek therapy? Um, I had found out recently that one of my favorite really small local game stores was closing down. And this place opened up maybe no. like I know that I sounds re- so sad. That doesn't it, sound. It, it <laughs> is sad. It, it is very sad, and it gets sadder. Just buckle up. Um, opened up like a year and a half or two years ago here in the Fargo Moorhead area, and r- just run by one guy. Um, really kind of like super small business, but really cool. And I stopped in there. Um, relatively often or when I could. And so I was really disappointed to find out that it was closing. And even more disappointed, I found out that this person had shared on the Facebook page that his father had recently gotten cancer and he needed to be kind of involved in his treatment and his dad's business to help him stay going. So he had to shut down his own business. So that was really disappointing. And I felt really bad for this person. So um, I went to the store and, and I apologized to him for, you know, hearing about his father and, and his business. And um, I, I spent more money than I should have as just <laughs> kind of to try to, you know, I, you know, I don't know what you do when you shut down a store, but I just thought, you know, this person's going to have all this stuff. It's probably better to have money. So I went and just tried to, you know, give my condolences and, and do my small part to help this person be as financially stable as possible as they transition out. So um, it feels good to do something, even something as small as that. Um, and, and it actually did seem pretty meaningful to him just to have someone, because we don't know each other personally, but to, he he seemed very appreciative and, and said as much just to have someone stop in and, and just I don't know, give a kind word, I guess. So it felt good to just make at least that small impact for this person. Kind word and a thousand dollars worth of yeah. D&D stuff. Yeah. So what'd you get? I, I got Mordekainen's Tome of Foes, which is uh, one of the Dungeons and Dragons books that came out recently. And then I got a couple packages of uh, the pre-painted um, Dungeons and Dragons miniatures that I posted a picture of on my Instagram, actually, some of the ones that I got on there, and one that it's actually looking at me right now, who's a beholder zombie, which is just very creepy, um, but very cool looking. Started sad. Started sad. But okay. 
ended mm-hmm. okay. Still very still sad, but yeah, with yeah. cool figurines. Yeah. <laughs> the figurines were were fun and and just tried to do something small for that person, which is such a tough time. Lauren, you you know I've I've had a, a real rough couple of weeks. It's been using the professional term real sucky. Um, why why are all the geek therapies starting this way? <laughs> uh, you know it's it's. It's, you know, I, I've just been having a rough time and, and sometimes part of that is like as much as I love games, sometimes I am not in the the state of mind to play them, um, but they are still awesome. And so my, my roommate has been playing through Sekiro Shadows Die Twice and um, it is definitely not a game that I uh, want to play. It's way too frustrating for me but it is really really enjoyable to watch somebody else playing um and so it's been you know i'm not the one slicing off monsters heads with my sick samurai sword but i am getting to watch that and it is uh sort of nice to be all like well life is sucky right now but you know maybe i can slice off some metaphorical monster heads with my metaphorical samurai sword (laughs) And then you don't want to throw the controller through the TV. Yeah, like what? What are you enjoying seeing your roommate suffer through a Dark Souls game? Or um, I or? mean, part of there, there is certainly some enjoyment to um, <laughs> witnessing frustration, but not experiencing it. Uh, but more more than that, like getting to be a cheerleader is really fun, and um, because I'm not the one playing, I get to focus a little bit more on like other stuff happening in the game, and so I feel helpful when I can be like, okay, so. You know, he, the the boss's specific thrust animation starts when he starts doing this. So this is that is when you need to do the specific dodge move. And uh, once you start pulling it off and I'm like, yeah, you did it. You're fucking nailing it. Hell yeah. I get to be very excited, even though I, it's uh, it's not me doing well in the game, but I get to feel like I'm helping anyways. That's <laughs> that's nice. That sounds that sounds great, actually. Lara? Well, I've had a sucky week. (laughs) I think it's contagious. But my friend Jessica over at the Queer Comics Podcast also had a sucky week. And we went to go see us together. And it was so good. (laughs) Wait, I want to change mine. Us. Oh, my God. It was so good. (laughs) Um, We decided that we needed to relax. So we went to the theater to go pee our pants. Um, oh, yeah. And it was it was lots of fun, and I don't want to spoil anything. But if anyone likes scary movies, they should go see it. If Even you, if you're not big on scary movies, I think it's still really really good. Unless you think you're gonna get nightmares easily, that might. Yeah, not, that's yeah. true. There's definitely <laughs> nightmare material in there, though. It um it takes place in Santa Cruz, which is mm-hmm. uh, where I live. So it's really exciting to be like I've been there. I've been there. I've done that. I've seen that. And I told my I told my friend right away. I was like, I'm never going to the boardwalk at night again. <laughs> never. See, I'm again. like now. I only want to go to the boardwalk at night. <laughs> <laughs> One of my friends is uh, has born and raised in in Santa Cruz and is an identical twin. So oh no no no. She's no, all like, no, no, thanks no. Jordan Peele for the nightmares I'm going to have for the rest of my life. <laughs> No, but that's a good built-in Halloween costume. Oh, so good! I'm s- yeah, that <laughs> never great. look at a pair of scissors again the same way. 
Thank you for reminding me of that. Stop it with the spoilers. Uh That's in the poster. Yeah. I don't look at posters. It's not a spoiler. It's not a spoiler. It's in the poster. You do look at posters. I know you look at posters because I know you look at the Endgame posters. Which is full of spoilers, (laughs) by the way. So many spoilers. (laughs) So frustrating. Uh, so my geek therapy uh, for the past we didn't record last week so so for the past two weeks I don't know if you all know that I really like podcasting and what? yeah so yeah. I, I remember Lauren said something like oh like we haven't like I haven't recorded in in like two weeks uh, like it's been two weeks right I was like whoa like I've I've recorded like six other podcast <laughs> episodes in the last uh, two weeks it's been it's been great and they are two. Uh, super secret projects where I am watching a show or playing a game series and then reflecting on them with my, with my friends. And that is just like, I don't know, that's like geek culture to me, right? Is the idea that you're, you're not only so super into this, but that you, you take the time to reflect on it. And Mm -hmm. it's so cool to watch this series where we're, we're watching one episode and then we record and we don't watch the next one until we record. And it's so hard to not keep watching but it makes the whole series so much better because we're taking that time to reflect and you know, like you're talking about it more than longer than it took to watch it, you know, like there's something mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you're going deep into it and it is just, it, oh, it's just such a, such a good feeling. So that's it for this episode of GT radio. As always, you can find us in a few different places. Like you can find us on the geek therapy forum at forum.geektherapy.com where you can come and hashtag give Brandon something to talk about. It was weird to see you finally posting on the forum <laughs> today, like I'm right sure. before we recorded this episode. Uh huh. It's when true. You were doing your research. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've seen some forum posts lately. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's more than just gives Brandon something to talk about. It's true. It is. <laughs> it's the hot place to be. It's it is. very toasty. It's going to get, it's going to get better. Uh, you can also find us on the Geek Therapy Discord at geektherapy.com slash discord. The music channel has been popping off. People have been sharing uh, music that is meaningful to them, and we've been sharing music that's got really cool animated videos. Uh, come and share stuff with us. As soon as you join the Discord, the Discord tells us that there is a new member, so we all come and say hi to you. So come come and get your your highs from the the discord <laughs> no tests no nothing you just you just come nope. in and everybody's very welcoming just join up and we'll spray emojis at you <laughs> Ooh. i don't know how i feel about spraying emojis the fun emojis <laughs> <laughs> no spraying poop emojis <laughs> uh you know i haven't well okay excluding the harry potter conversation about wizard bathroom etiquette i don't think i've ever seen anybody use the poop emoji other than in that instance which was very on topic (laughs) you can also find us at the facebook group the geek therapy community facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash geek therapy where anyone can join in on liking silly memes with us because that's fun. A lot of a lot of memes going around this there week. Are a lot of memes. Yeah. Yeah. You can also find us on Twitch every week, where there are technically five of us on the stream team. Where there are five of us on the stream team, <laughs> you can see us streaming different games that we sometimes new games, sometimes old games, sometimes just whatever we feel like. 
when Brandon used to stream, it was uh, very random. Mm-hmm. It was Alan Lake. Always, it was always interesting. It's like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. With Brandon, that's basically how it was every week. It was pretty wild. A couple times. <laughs> it, it was. It was. It was uncomfortably random at times. Yeah, I was like, "Why are we playing trying two? Like all of mm-hmm. a sudden, you were playing it'll do seriously before, and what's it'll do? <laughs> oh yeah, no, it would jump <laughs> into a, a, the middle of a different series. Pretty yeah, wild. It's, it's a lot of fun. Go check it out at twitch.tv <laughs> slash Geek Therapy, and you can also find us on our favorite place, the place where you are most likely to get a response from us, which is on Twitter. And we're at Geek Therapy. I'm at Josue Cardona. Brandon is at Brandon underscore Saxton. Lauren is at Chicken Dinosaur. And Lara is at Geek Therapist. Thank you so much for listening. Remember to geek out and do good. And we'll be back next week. You've just listened to GT Radio on the Geek Therapy Network. For more about the network, visit network.geektherapy.com. And for additional content, including the GT Book Club and discounts on our merch store, consider joining Geek Therapy on Patreon for as little as $1 a month at patreon.com slash geektherapy. You're walking down a deep cavernous cave in search of an ancient, powerful treasure. You're not sure what danger might lurk around every corner. And as you turn around the bend, you see a deep cavernous pit. A fall would mean certain death. As you look up, you see that dangling on a rope above the chasm is a small gnome, his eyes wide with shock. I'm so glad you're here. I've got myself in quite the pickle. Now what? do you do next? Believe it or not, this kind of fantasy roleplay can have meaningful, long-lasting effects for kids who struggle with social skills and problem-solving skills. This is Adam from game to grow We were founded on the therapeutic power of tabletop role-playing games, and for the last eight years, we've helped kids build confidence, creativity, and social skills. But we can do better. And that's why we're launching Critical Core. Critical Core is a therapeutic role-playing game targeted to the needs of kids on the autism spectrum, and it's coming to Kickstarter March 19th. Together, we can reach thousands of children around the world. Please help us by pledging your support now at criticalcore.org.